Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Tree. You're listening to episode six with my co-host Partha. Hello, Partha. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, Chirag. Hello, listeners. So we've actually reached six. I can't believe that. <laughs> it's it it's felt like a struggle, honestly. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. Now it's actually come becomes such a routine for us. One week is like review, and one week is like, oh, are we recording tomorrow? No, it's day after. Oh no, it's in two days. Oh, it's in three days. But I actually look forward to the days when I record with you guys. Oh. And uh, hello, Shaban, as well. Hello, everyone. Really? You don't have anything touchy-feely to say? No, no. Well, no. On our last episode, we talked about Facebook and privacy, so that was a very interesting episode. We got a lot of feedback on that one. Um, today, as well, we've got something something a bit different uh, and interesting to talk about as well. And we're going to try and address uh, technology as it relates to entrepreneurship in a way. Um, talking a little bit about grassroots innovation and a little bit about mentorship as well. Towards the end, we've got our first guest. Uh, on the show as well so quite an exciting episode so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, grassroots innovations maybe you guys can tell us first what's the difference between just regular innovation and why are we calling this grassroots innovation i mean we keep hearing the word innovation a lot these days Uh, we hear it on the internet we hear it in media and the news there is two different kinds of innovation Um, again this is my definition of it right there is grassroots innovation, and then there is basically innovation that you can sort of buy or import. The whole concept of the grassroots innovation is that if you look at this uh, innovation concept as a pyramid, grassroots innovation is at the bottom. And stuff that you sort of buy or import or transplant or bring in or would not be regularly part of the entrepreneurial or innovative uh, landscape of that country, that's what I would call you know the second kind of innovation. And it's a deep topic. It can also be um, a very divisive topic uh, because we're used to this, these ideas that are grown usually in, in like places like the US or, the, or Europe or other parts of the world. And we're used to, like, you know, we, we ship in pretty much all goods over here in the UAE. The UAE's got this very positive outlook on, on technology. And we're also very open to a lot of this technology. So we've recently seen all kinds of initiatives from the government about flying taxis, uh, Hyperloop. On our show, we've talked about blockchain. And uh, what I want to talk about now is, okay, how do you get to that point? Because the end game for any major player should be, I shouldn't have to buy this stuff 10 years down the line, 50 years down the line. How do you get to a point, ideally, where you have a user base or, or a citizenship or a resident base that is actively involved in this sort of mindset. Innovation is a mindset. So when you are actively sort of growing it at home, you don't have to go somewhere else. You can just look to your friends or your circle or the local entrepreneurship community or the local business community and, and expand that way. That's what I mean when I say, all right, we need to start focusing on grassroots innovation because I think it's 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 a growing field here in, in, in the UAE, but it really has a long way to go. Partha, do you want to uh, jump in here now, maybe tell us or maybe kick us off talking more specifically about our region and talking about sort of uh, grassroots innovation that's happening here? Sure. So um, to give you a, a little bit of uh, perspective on how the entire innovation process works um, at a very base level, whether it's grassroots or otherwise, is that innovation stems from seeing a need and filling a need using any means necessary. So we could go back to invention of the wheel, which was which is basically an innovation by itself, and that that's what we now base all of our own technology. You know, you go, you don't go around reinventing something that works beautifully out of the box because it fill a need and it works 
perfect. But what's happening now is that some countries have taken that entire process in and they've created concepts that are being used widely across the world. Where grassroots innovation comes into the play is how does it identify a local need and how is it able to fulfill that need at a very uh, localized level using the people that are not even looking outwards, but like Chaban said, looking inwards. And uh, it's very important that people need to know what they're working with in terms of resources, who they're working with, with in terms of a mindset, and what is a framework that supports them in terms of the community, in terms of society, in terms of the government. And all of these things form a very, very important role in uh, developing a grassroots innovation mindset in any economy. Innovation at, at, from a UAE perspective is, is, is rather unique in, in that they're trying to promote grassroots innovation. They're trying to promote the local development of talent and local development of solutions that kind of cater to a very specific need and environment that we live in. But they're also relying very heavily on the technology that already pre-exists and how they can adapt those solutions to the local need when I do these workshops and I'm trying to create the awareness of how these technologies can work and then of course we are finding a lot of different solutions coming out that are very locally relevant but are inspired by how technology is being used. So, you know, we were talking about that kind of stuff. I mean, I think one of the first steps we need to look at is sort of from, and, and in part that you kind of talked about workshops and things like that, right? Uh, where we need to talk about sort of educating and bringing or, or giving those basic capabilities to those that that would be able to to create the solutions, but they still need to start at the basic level, right? We need to start with the education element of it. I was thinking about this for the last few days. Um, when it comes to innovating in tech, it's a little different to other fields. So let's say you're in a creative field. Let's say you produce uh, short films or, 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 or stuff for YouTube or something. When you see a, a new technique, you know, you're working with a new production company, you go on set and the director is using interesting settings on the camera or he's got a interesting uh, way that he works with lighting. And a lot of film students do this. They'll look at like the great directors. Uh, they'll look at Steven Spielberg or they'll look at... Um, uh, help me out here, guys. Christopher Nolan, maybe? Christopher <laughs> Nolan, yes. He's got his own unique style. Um, Ridley Scott, one Ridley of my Scott favorite directors. Well, yeah. Again, very, very unique. And you know what? Let's also look at uh, those those hero shots that we've seen being popularized by the Transformer films, which I absolutely hate. Uh, but when you see these movies, you start understanding that, hey, you know what? I can do this, and this gives me this result. You can visually see that innovation that these guys are bringing. There a lot of stuff is behind the scenes, but there's some that you can sort of relate to and understand. When it comes to technology, that's not necessarily the case. I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a show and I was with a friend of mine called, and his name's Ehab. He and I have similar interests uh, when it comes to drones. And the, there was a drone there from a company that was the first company, their drones crossed the Swiss Alps. This was back in the day when drones flew less than 10 minutes. So these guys flew for like 60 minutes. So we were really, really curious. We're like, how did they do this? What engineering have they done? That gives them these results. So we were like dying to get a, a look at underneath the, the drone skin, the, the outer shell. Our best guess was that these guys have done something with the battery. There must be something crazy about this battery that is able to store a lot more energy than regular batteries. And we opened it up and we we're expecting this huge battery. And it was a regular, normal, almost normal battery. The, what I thought was the obvious answer is not the obvious answer. What's going on here? There's something more. And... Obviously, a little bit of investigation revealed that they hadn't just done something with the battery. They'd actually also worked on extremely 
efficient propellers, uh, extremely efficient motors, and all of that sort of combined got them to that point. Now, my point was that it was a lot harder for us to figure out where the innovation was in this particular product. And that's why uh, education is super important. I have a sort of formal education when it comes to technology, but when you don't have that as part of your background, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to understand the basics of everything. And you need to understand the basics of everything. You need to be a bit of a jack of all trades to sort of break down some of these complex problems in, in the modern day world. So education is really important because without those basics, you're not going to be able to uh, adapt and figure out all these different answers that you will need in, 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 in your career, in your job, in whatever field you pick. Grassroots innovation and is going to have a very hard time growing without the right education systems in place because um, it all starts in colleges and, and schools and, and universities. And if your teachers and if your professors and people that are, are that you look up to are not giving you incentive to learn and they're not giving you incentive to be curious and they're not giving you incentive to, to ask questions, they're stifling this spirit of innovation. This mindset that you have to be curious, to be inquisitive, to be not afraid to ask questions, that's something that needs to happen from a very early age. And that's where STEM is super important. It, it's an acronym for science, technology, engineering, and math. These are all the core principles that you would need to build and solve more complex problems. These foundations are going to help you be a better engineer, be a better tech entrepreneur, uh, or if you're getting into business, maybe it'll help you understand the different kinds of technologies that you're dealing with. So it's just, it's an important foundation. I mean, we come from the Indian education system. It's a different approach. We don't have a very practical approach. It's super theory heavy. It's it's mind-numbingly boring. People are rewarded for remembering things. So uh, unfortunately, it's it's got its pluses and minuses, but um, it would be good to have a balance. And... Um, a foundation in STEM gives you that balance. Thankfully, it's being embraced now uh, more and more across not just the UAE, but most uh, most parts of, of this region. You know, I think uh, I want to sort of maybe slightly take a step back also and we talk about the, the scene that's a little bit on the outside. And I think Partha can help us with this as well, you know, where there's non-formal education. One of the trends that you're starting to see as well, I mean, I see it a lot in, in the US and among the US sort of uh, systems as well, where, you know, be, be, you know the, the general conversation now, because tech has become so uh, ubiquitous, right? Like, so when you're even, you might be a marketing person, you might be a social media person. There are some basic skills already that, that you still need to know to be able to succeed, right? And and there's two angles to this. The one is you might be in a field that's non-technology, but you need technology. You need to be able, even simple understanding, simple coding, right? Like you have your, but things like your HTML and stuff like that, which has become such an integral part about like, you know, when it comes to things like marketing, whether even if if you are an individual, these are basic skills to have because you you do better, you know. You but then you also look at the other side, and I think Shivan, you you were kind of touching on this point as well, right? You know, you may not be in a in a technical role yourself, right? But you might be working for a technology startup, and so having some basic skills, having you know the ability to understand technology at those levels is something you know almost everybody needs today. The person you described before you said on the other side the entrepreneurship thing, that's all me. I come from a background of BA in economics. I have been only working with technology. I've learned coding self-learned. I've learned technology self-learned. I've learned all the stuff that I do in my at work by myself. And I'm very proud of it. And I tell everybody who I meet that you do not need to be an engineer to learn how technology works. And it's very, very crucial for people to know and have no fear when it comes to working with technology. So 
and this is one of the biggest messages that we give and so i can we conduct these workshops every saturday you know where we're doing stuff around smart homes iot robotics drones and the first thing that i tell people is if you feel that you have logic you can follow these workshops with no problem whatsoever all you need is to have an open mind and we will help walk you through the rest of it no problems and you'd be surprised that the number of startups the number of entrepreneurs who have that block against being able to work with technology and when they come to our workshops and they're like we had no idea it was so simple what happens now is that when you have students coming out of engineering college learning all about you know coding and learning all about mechatronics and they come in with these preconceived notions that if i'm learning only about hardware i'll know only about hardware and i i'm not concerned with anything software now what we are trying to say is that if you want to be truly innovative and if you really want to make a difference and if you want to create a, a situation where you found a solution that solves a problem a very even if it's a basic problem but it's solving a problem you a you do not need to be an engineer b you do not need to have any preconceived notions and c you must be aware of technology yet all its levels across the field not just one but across the field and then innovation just flows and this is what we're trying to change this is the mindset that we're trying to change that you do not need to be afraid of technology and you do not need to have a formal education for you to go out there and work with these different technology and i think that's interesting as well right like because we we've got kind of got two perspectives going on you know even right now where you've got the and, and i think shaban you also agree with me right i mean j- just having a formal education of course is not it it really helps though and i i completely agree with you i think um you know a lot of the concepts that you know we take on a lot of the expansion of the things that we take on uh, is definitely made a lot of uh, i don't know it's definitely made unhindered in a way right because we kind of as as part was phrasing we're not afraid of technology because it's something that in some ways has been ingrained to us a little bit earlier uh, because we went through that um, you know in a formal background but then there are also there are still gaps anyway that we look to fill uh, you know beyond that formal education gives you the ability to let's say if you if you're a painter it gives you the ability to have very good brush strokes a lot of control over brushes and knowledge of paint but uh, when you're you know when you spend enough time it also gives you this ability to sort of see the big picture and be able to paint a beautiful landscape later on and it's a lot easier for you to do that because already the basics are covered let's you know that's that's sort of how i think about it so when i look at tech uh, even if it's something that's new to me uh, and if it's something i find interesting it's a lot easier for me to absorb new information uh, and i'm not sure like i said that's why i said earlier that there's obviously people uh who are you know they could have a, have a formal training in a completely different field but they're amazing tech entrepreneurs so this does not necessarily apply i'm just saying that it can make it easier both things have some gaps that need to be filled right it's like a pro and con thing right when you come in with a formal education you know you are stripped of the fear of technology you've got better foundations and stuff like that it helps you but you still have to then expand beyond uh, and then the other side of it which is like you know because you don't do that and because you're self-taught in a way you you take a different viewpoint to things right because you haven't been in you know something hasn't been ingrained in you that this is the way these things will get solved you kind of start approaching things in a different way you start breaking barriers but then of course sometimes you have to rely on somebody else uh, to do uh, you know those basics because you you don't understand them or you're starting behind the others and then you, you know you have to play a little bit of catch up
There's so many programs. I mean, again, uh, and I think we need to touch on sort of what's happening here. What Partha is doing is a good example of that, where even even though you may be getting sort of this this sort of fixed development that that may be STEM oriented or or whatever, and helping you get those foundations right, but then there's you know the, those trainings. You have these uh, everybody codes and everybody learns basic code, and you know those kind of things that are what what we would call what is today very basic skill set may not have been, but you start to get that and, and trying to open your mind to getting that as early as possible, so that that helps you down the road. As an entrepreneur, as somebody who runs a small business, and Chirag, you can obviously you know relate with this as well. The one complaint that I see fellow business owners talk about is, you know, my employees uh, are like robots, and if I tell them to do something, they're only going to do that one thing. There's no critical thinking. There's no um, you know there's no uh, going outside the box, and that is something that infuriates a lot of people. And I think that does sort of tie in with the culture of, of, of innovation because we need to make it a habit in, in companies and in small businesses in, in, in all walks of life to allow people to step outside the mold. In a lot of cases, an employee may actually have a really good idea, but he goes to his boss. So let's say your boss is very headstrong. Uh, you go to them with a great idea. They may just shoot it down. Uh, this is just like total waste of time. I didn't pay you to sort of think outside the box I pay you to sort of do your job and what that does is it puts the guy in this mindset where he is going to be the next time an opportunity presents itself where he sees a better solution he will not come to you and it also works both ways because there are a lot of employees that are like hey you know what this is my role I'm going to stick with my role I don't want to go I want to do one iota of work beyond what my role is and you can't innovate unless people from both the you know higher up in the food chain and people that are uh, lower down on the food chain are are okay with with asking questions and are okay with critical thinking this is something i think and it, and it just goes it goes slightly beyond just a, a technical education i think the the point of you know where you're talking about allowing employees to think out of the box or or even managers and and uh, sort of business owners accepting you know, employees that think out of the box and that there needs to be some kind of balance there as well. Uh, so this is something that that is definitely a challenge. Some of it can be fulfilled by education. Some of it needs to be fulfilled by, by guidance. And It's very crucial when you're working with technology and if you come from whichever background you come from, unless you A, understand the technology and B, have the right kind of person guiding you towards how these technologies can potentially improve your life or can potentially work in so many different ways. It's really uh, not impossible, but it is crucial to have that kind of experience that kind of comes into play of working with these different technologies. There are still, uh, you know, some gaps that need to be filled. So once, even though you may get either a formal education or education outside, um, you know, there's still there's still things like, and I think, Shaban, you touched on the right one, which is talking about getting past roles, thinking in terms of, uh, you know, slightly maybe longer term careers when you're, when you're running a business, thinking about, you know, things that are, um, you know, far more long term. Sometimes that we have both difficulty because of, you know, the kind of situations we're in where we don't have the space to think about it. But sometimes I think it's also about the ability to think about it, right? To think, to start making decisions that are that are much more long-term. The reason you want to go out of the box is because you can foresee a future, um, you know, where, you know, doing this today or putting in a little bit of extra work today and, and moving things a little outside the box or, or, or pivoting, changing directions, all of these things that has to come with the kind of insight that you may not have when you're starting out. As an entrepreneur, it's a long journey and it's something that there's, I mean, you can read books about it, but the one thing that really, really matters is 
is experience. You start to understand that that business is also about how you conduct yourself. It's also about how people perceive you. It's also about relationship building. And, how, and that, that's extremely important. Uh, I, I've gotten a lot of business just based on relationships. And how many people do you know that actually spend time cultivating those relations? The young entrepreneurs, very few of them uh, over here. That's not always the case in other parts of the world. In, in, in places like the US where you do B-School, I mean, there's this whole networking thing that's super important and it's drilled into your head. So what a sensei would do, uh, and I'm coming back to Japanese Kung Fu films, is your sensei is typically this guy who's like 30, 40 years older than you, got a long beard, uh, and everything about his appearance oozes um, experience. What he has done is he is a collection of experience. You know, he's a walking MBA. It's his job to challenge you. It's his job to make you think uh, beyond what you thought you were capable of. It's his job to, to teach you what he knows uh, and to pass that information along. And then someday down the line, if, if you end up as, as a mentor to somebody else, it would be your job, except that now you're accumulating the experience of your life as well. When I got started, there was so much that I was doing wrong that I could have had a 10-minute conversation with, with someone who could have said, hey, you know what? Maybe you should try doing this. Or, hey, maybe you should approach this problem this way. Or, hey, um, maybe your entire thinking process needs to change uh, if you really want to succeed. Uh, and I think it also uh, works the other way, where there's a lot of mentors that are, uh, that are you know, running successful businesses over here that don't always get a chance to groom people, you know, and they end up uh, passing the business on to somebody else or uh, someone's not even interested in the business, for example, maybe a family member uh, after they've aged or maybe selling it. And that legacy that you've worked towards, you know, for, for 20, 30 years, when you give it away to somebody who doesn't really care about it, I'm sure it hurts. Um, so, yeah, um, coming, you know, coming full circle, if if we encourage a culture, culture of mentorship, we would avoid a lot of the issues that young entrepreneurs face. To summarize, think of think of business as Kung Fu and think of uh, your mentor as your sensei. And if you've seen any Kung Fu film, you know why and how important it is to have a sensei. It's, you, you, you really can't be a hero without a sensei. It is actually very, very right. I mean, the, the culture that, that when we talk about Kung Fu and how it was passed down, like from generation to generation, you know, the, the person with the knowledge sort of uh, looking to find that quote-unquote apprentice. We do have people that are doing it, you know, on their own front. Uh, we do have certain organizations I know as well that have their own internal mentorship programs and stuff. Uh, but I think the amount of outreach and I think the, the kind of um, mentorship program that I think, Shivan, you were alluding to in particular, um, that you're talking about where there's this whole culture of it that's happening. Yes, exactly. It's such a everybody's doing it kind of thing, right? Where the, the average or the, the middle of the bell curve company has got a mentor. Uh, and the middle of the bell curve um, seasoned entrepreneur is a mentor to somebody. Uh, and I think that's what you're, that's what you're leading to. Exactly. I mean, I, I would. How many people in Dubai do you know that would give anything to walk into their workplace uh, and know that their boss is trying to teach them new things and is looking out for them, and, and vice versa? 
I think it's something that we ourselves need to be conscious of as well, right? So uh, don't don't think that it's something that okay, I don't have time for this or whatever. I mean, I think you can you can gain so much by looking for by having a mentor. And this is not just a, a you know I'm an entrepreneur, I need a mentor thing. While that's primarily the focus of what we're talking about, but I think it's also something that that you can do. It is just something that should be part of your career, really. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's someone outside, sometimes it's someone within your company, a manager, someone senior. It doesn't have to be your immediate boss, but uh, but having someone like that in your career can really change, uh, you know, how you look at things, uh, because it's it's kind of this sort of handing down of knowledge and and more importantly experience when it comes to taking decisions as well. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Actually, a lot of the incubators slash accelerators here are developing very very robust mentorship programs for all the startups that are associated with them. And and the people who are mentoring uh, these companies are not just entrepreneurs or investors. These are people who run who are part of larger businesses. For example, uh, Intel, IBM, Qualcomm employees are actually providing mentorship to uh, startups, providing information from a non-entrepreneurship uh, perspective, more from a business idea, more from a technology perspective, how things could be improved from a delivery perspective. And these are all things that you get out of experience and that is what they're giving back. It's very cathartic at the end of the day to know that you're helping somebody uh, get past obstacles or issues that they're facing. There are a couple of uh, community initiatives. So the assembly does a lot of mentorship for people who are trying to understand uh, how technology works. Then we have uh, business networking groups that are doing a fabulous job of putting two people together and then they're sharing their expenses, which is a form of mentorship by itself. So here's the left field question now, okay? I mean, now that we have a massive startup ecosystem that started over here, why was it not there five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? And I'm sure it was there. When, When I say not there, I mean, why was it generally not that widespread? Or at least I feel it's not. it was not generally widespread. So I think it's a combination of a couple of things. We really look at uh, countries like the US, I think primarily when we talk about sort of a startup culture and an ecosystem that that's built around it. And again, even in the US, I mean, it's it's sort of localized, right, to places like Silicon Valley, uh, although it is spreading. And as people that have grown up in the UAE and stuff, what we have today um, as standardized higher formal education wasn't really commonplace, right, uh, 15, 20 years ago. Or that's when rather they started getting set up as Partha was mentioning, you know, we have a lot of these incubators and things like that, that, that are or accelerators that are starting to sort of doing community mentorship programs because the need is starting to grow. Uh, but I think, you know, it's when it's when the, the education system that's starting to build that kind of training, that kind of innovation and that kind of uh, the entrepreneurship model, as we call it, that's when like the core uh, of all of this stuff will start to grow. And so we're starting to, we're only just starting to see that, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But uh, I think one of the other reasons why also is there's this transient culture here where people are always thinking, hey, you know what, I'm here for X number of years. I'm going to you know, do my job and I'm going to go home and I'm not going to do anything more. For this person with this mindset, it's a temporary thing. What they fail to realize is not going beyond that means you could be losing out on opportunity. Uh, sure, maybe... You don't get along with your seniors and maybe that's the reason why. But my, my point is eventually you may forget that not everyone is like that. And if you change jobs and you go to the next place and you still have this mindset, you will never grow. You will never advance in your career. And that needs to change. That's a great point. Um, you know, we are in, in many ways uh, sort of a second generation residents, right? We look at this as home and therefore we look at 
like our mindset towards uh, setting up companies here, doing whatever community outreaches that we do and those kind of things is very different from 20 years ago. In case you haven't already, uh, you can always subscribe and listen to us in any podcast player of your choice. Just look for Tech Tree. That's T3CHTRE. Shaban, if you want to give away your social media details. Sure. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, I am on Twitter. That's the easiest place to reach me at. Uh, and you can find me on the handle uh, Airspective. That's A-I-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. Uh, and I'd be happy to hear from you. Awesome. And Partha, if you can share your details with us as well. Uh, you can always catch up with me on Twitter as Partha NS. That's P-A-R-T-H-A-N-S. You can catch me at ChiragND on Twitter. That's at C-H-I-R-A-G-N-D. TechTree is also on Twitter. You can find us at T3CHTRE. You can find show notes of this episode at techtree.show slash six. One of the reasons why um, we picked innovation and mentorship as topics today was, uh, even though we are a heavy tech show, is I've wanted to do an episode on the challenges faced by entrepreneurs or, or as young business people. I mean, what are the issues that we encounter? And it, it, uh, that was a topic close to my heart and Chirag's uh, fellow entrepreneur as well. And I figured we'd have an interesting conversation on, on that front. We've got Tycon uh, that's happening in the UAE. And uh, our first guest speaker is is involved with Ty. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about what Ty is, what, what they've been doing. If you're an entrepreneur, Maybe how can you you know benefit uh, from an event like Thai? I'm pretty excited to you know introduce Amita Srinivasan. Amita, you are officially our first guest ever on on our series so far. Woohoo! I feel very very privileged. <laughs> so Amita, I mean you know the reason we have you on the show and we've been talking a little bit about uh, innovation mentorship on this episode, and then we also wanted to talk a little bit about Thaicon. So you're director of events uh, with Thai, is that right? Basically, uh, we I've been voted in as a board of director. Uh, this year to take care of events for the Thai Dubai chapter over the next two years. Thai Dubai, just to give you a little background, is the, the local chapter of a international organization that was started in Silicon Valley. We have like 63 chapters around the world. And what we do is basically foster entrepreneurship, which basically means that we're not in competition with anything, but we will try and help and support the local ecosystem. And in our case, it's a little bit more regional probably, to help entrepreneurs um, introduce them with whatever resources they need in the sense, introduce them to people, do mentors, have events that basically they can learn from other other fellow entrepreneurs. Uh, it just as a contrast, because it's something we were talking about as well. Um, you know, do you see some things that are specific to this region in terms of uh, developing this culture and stuff that's different from, uh, say, the more popular areas such as Silicon Valley? Um, I think the the biggest difference probably is they're encouraging the local population to do, but the chances are that a lot more of the entrepreneurship and the um, need for setting up businesses is with expatriates. And that's probably the biggest challenge because there are certain resources that are uh, limiting, for example, things like visas and residence visas and stuff like that. I mean, anywhere else in the world, you'd probably, after a point, be able to have a more permanent uh, thing where you can sort of rely on say, you know what, this is going to happen. Having said that, I've been here for 25 years, you know, 
Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's kind of true for all of us. Actually, we've been around now for long enough that we yeah, we exactly. know that it, there's a stability. But it but it is a challenge, perhaps, for someone that is new to the area uh, and does not feel the same confidence as with as exactly. perhaps we might. And so the idea is that with us at Taitabar, we look at you know what here are the resources that are available and that you can use and that you can leverage, and that's the idea of us being. Uh, being part of what we are doing here. Uh, we also, a lot of our charter members are really established businessmen, so they can use their experience to help. It could be a smaller startup, it could be a person who's been doing his own business for a long term, but in a smaller stage, or somebody who's working in a large organization and needs a little bit of direction and thinking, you know what, this is what I want to do, and you know, who do I talk to? So Thai has been around for a while, and my understanding is, well, over the last uh, year or two years, we've seen a huge uh, startup culture pop up in 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 UAE specifically, but in the Middle East uh, in general. Uh, while we transition to a post-oil economy, Thai has been doing this for quite a while. You guys were founded in 1992. You're in 17 countries. Um, and what was interesting to me was when I was reading about Thai was uh, you have the five pillars of Thai. Two of those are actually topics we covered today. So there's mentorship, there's networking and education, and there's funding and incubation. Are you changing your mandate for the UA? Are you sort of doing things a little bit differently now that there's a focus on young businesses, small businesses, new businesses? What is your focus for this year? Well, the thing is, the mandate from Thai Global is the same for all our chapters. What we might nuance is probably get more of the local thing. Traditionally, if you look at it, the Indus Entrepreneurs were started with um, Indian and Pakistani origin uh, entrepreneurs to create a little network so that they could sort of live and use their own resources among each other to help themselves in Silicon Valley. But since then, it's grown. So what we do here in Dubai or in, in the Dubai chapter is we use local resources to help local businesses. So obviously, you the resources are going to probably be slightly different. The people are going to be slightly different. And that's probably the only chapter. Otherwise, the main pillars are the same anywhere in the world. Let's talk now about Tycon 2018. So that's going to be on the 18th of April. Can you tell us a little bit more about this conference in particular, uh, what you guys have planned? Yeah, for for Tycon 2018, we are doing it under the year of Zayed values. And there are four key pillars and values that they have outlined that he believed in and that he built a nation on. And we're trying to map uh, building a nation to building an enterprise, basically. So we're looking at things like respect, we're looking at wisdom, we're looking at sustainability and human development. We've created four different tracks. We're going to have very specific workshops that address some of these particular core values as well. So we're calling them value tracks. So under wisdom, what we're doing is we're launching, a, a, even though we've been mentoring anyway, for years, we're doing a formal mentorship program. So people understand the mentor and the mentee understand the key parameters around their mentorship agreement. So we're going to be selecting the 12 startups that we're going to mentor over the next six months to a year. So there will be a very proper program set up. So it's not going to be an airy-fairy, I'm mentoring a person. There's a very specific goal set up and very specific timelines going to be set up. And there's a whole program and a process set in place, which I think we're very excited about. Um, under respect, we're looking and focusing on diversity. So we're focusing on women, in, uh, women entrepreneurs and the skills they need and some of the areas and addresses and challenges that they need to address 
and we're going to have a, be looking at that. And then we're looking at uh, sustainability. So again, we're having three very clear workshops on addressing sustainable business practices. So very simple things like, you know what, how are you going to do the business? Why you should do the business? Whether you should do the business is a very important topic that people need to address. How to uh, do customer acquisitions. You know, there's a lot of processes that goes into acquiring and retaining a good customer and how what you need to do, what are the different things that you need to set up. And selecting a co-founder. They can make or break a business if you don't have the right co-founders. And that's very, very important. And then under human devo development, we have some very nice um, workshops looking at future tech. So there's going to be one on blockchain, but keeping it more simple on how enterprises can leverage this new technology that everybody's talking about and we'll make it work for them. And then there's going to be one being run by the guys at SPJ and talking about design thinking, which is meaning how do you design your work and your thinking around the future? Enterprise. In the main one, we're going to be covering anything from everything from retail to building an entrepreneurial nation to talking to co-founders of music, media. Then we have a, a, a farmer on board talking about hydroponics. So we have a very exciting lineup for this year's Thai conference. I'm very excited. And, and a lot of these guys are probably not the usual suspects you get in a lot of the major conferences around town. So. And Mita, speaking of uh, usual suspects, could you tell us how large the Thai community in Dubai and the UAE is? We, we, we don't charge for men, mem, membership. So uh, basically the community that we have are people who come on a regular basis. So our community that we have on regular who attend all of our events over over these last few, more than 10 years here, have been um, around about 1,200 or so probably. We have about 35, 36 charter members. These are people who actually pay to run the chapter. And then we have uh, an outreach of about about 25, 30 partners, people like the incubators, the accelerators, the government organizations, some business councils that we support throughout the year. People like ArabNet, people like Step Conference, people like uh, Dubai Business Women's Council, uh, people like Shara, people like the uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid uh, Business Council, Dubai Future Foundation. So we're involved and have our have a very wide network and if you count those then we're a really really wide network of people that you can resources that we can draw on i'm not a member of thai but you also regularly hold uh small thai talks uh, throughout the year uh, i remember receiving uh emails from people about you know here's a thai talk happening you know at let's say the assembly or in five just fireside chat type situations uh, with local entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, it's not just local entrepreneurs. We have visiting from other chapters around Thai, uh, around the around the globe who transit through here. So we've had the guys from Google here. We've had people from uh, some of the founding members of Thai in San Francisco here. We've had some TED speakers who have flown through. But locally, on an on an ongoing basis, uh, our mandate is to create. Uh, sessions where people can learn. So recently, for example, influencers is a big topic for everybody. So we had a whole board of <clears throat> influencers to talk about from both sides of the fence. What do you need to do and how do you select one and how what do you do when you have one? And these are questions that a lot of people have, you know, so we, we pick topics that we think that the entrepreneurs definitely need to know or understand and uh, hopefully give them the tools that they can go ahead. We try and do one uh, a month and sometimes we fall behind if we don't, you know, if topics fall back or because so we have a lineup going forward as well. 
Right, and Mita, um, if someone's interested in Thai and perhaps is not a member or hasn't attended anything, uh, where can they find more information? Well, they should just go to dubai.thai.org and they'll find all the information there. If they go to events, you they see the, the link for the Thaicon next week and there's still a lot of seats left. So please feel free to just click on registration. But do put in a reason for, if, if for example, if they're coming as a reference from Tech Tree, then let them put down that they heard the um, announcement on Tech 3 because it's invitation only so we want to make sure we have the right profile of people so it'll all come back to me so I can actually look and read them on every every invitation that comes in a request for invitation then we approve and then they get an invitation to actually register for the event so Amita Tai has been gracious enough you guys are giving away some uh, codes to to attend uh, would you tell us a little bit about that yeah so for the ones who are getting a code they are basically they that code will be sent to you as our one of our partners we will send the codes to you so people can just hear write to you guys and ask for the code and that code means that they don't need to go through the whole process they can just click on the code and register and their details will be registered it's one less step for them to go through excellent so thank you so much for doing that and uh, again if you want to enter just dm us your details you don't necessarily have to send us a tweet just dm it uh, and we'll put you in the draw there for that for that ticket uh, because this is a time sensitive event it's happening on the 18th uh, if you do get selected and you do find out you won please reach out to us as soon as you can because we will wait for about 24 hours before we give the tickets off to somebody else so that we ensure that the tickets are used um, and that somebody gets to benefit from from going to this event uh, so uh, thank you so much Mita for coming on with us uh, I look forward to meeting you on the 18th yeah brilliant thank you and look forward to seeing all of you uh, next week. Mm-hmm.